everybody back again flipping mats waiting flats with josh and joe here at fish tackle marine san antonio texas joe what's happening this week man a lot of work no fishing and we're staying classy drinking polar out of our polar pop cups with you <laughs> polar pops circle k dude that's right we got mikey g with us what's up guys glad to have you back this week for fishy business part two. Oh yeah, yeah had to come back for this one we had some unfinished business that's right that's right we also got special guests with us brad brad yeah. Williams. Man, it's it's good to be uh, on the podcast, man. Heck yeah, man. We're glad you got on. I know you're one of the regulars here at Fish Tackle Marine. We see you here every week. I know you're a big supporter of Will and local fish in San Antonio. And He's a big supporter of Will's bank account. Dude. That's right. That's right. Make, making sure Will keeps the lights on in this place. Man, Will's looking healthy these days, Brad. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, we had a couple things go down this last weekend, fishing. Uh, most of us, or three of us here, Brad isn't yet, but three of us here are members of Elite Bass Club. We had our tournament down at Choke this weekend and uh, had a pretty monster bag caught, dude, 33 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Jeff Jones, uh, uh, one of our club members who's been putting in some work over the last several years. He joined the club several years back, and I've been in since day one. And uh, this guy is just, he's got this kind of, Man, he's just on fire for fishing right now. Where else can you really say he's out there all the time? Like everybody in the club used to think I fished a lot, and then Jeff oh, Jones yeah, came yeah. and made me look like, dude, this guy doesn't fish. Well, see, <laughs> the, the cool part where, where I can relate to to Josh or, or Jeff at, I mean, yeah, is he's new to yeah. Texas. You know, relatively new to Texas, so it's a whole grind on how to how do you do where what you did in your old state to now. Yeah, so. I think that's the the biggest issue we got, and and to see him thrive and to put in his time, yeah, and all that to make it to where he is now, and yeah. he's fishing good. You know, yeah. every time he's a threat now. Yeah, the dude's fishing. Yeah, and yeah. you're not lying. Like he's learning a lot, and he talks to people, and he and he's uh, he's a fan of the sport, and that's what I think draws attention from me to him is that he's just really out there getting after it. And then so then on Saturday he was rewarded with a monster bag, putting in his time to choke. I've been fishing a lot offshore a lot more and uh, brings in 33 pounds and spanks everybody's ass. And, but there was also some other good bags caught. Joe Tompkins, he fishes the uh, champs as well. He's actually, he's won champs, I think multiple champs. Um, and uh, he brought in an 11 plus, a giant, beautiful fish. Um, I think it was like an 1146, like so 11 and a half. And he had a 24 pound bag. And then uh, Larry, uh, another one of our uh, veteran guys in the club uh brought in 20 uh they brought in 26 pounds i think oh shit yeah. so oh nice yeah. nice three big bags and then the weights fell off after that down to the lower teams i believe which that's kind of how that's kind of the mo for choke right now yeah because it's so low it's fishing so small yeah it's gonna be one on the spot you get them and you land on them yeah. and you can crack them but everybody else is just scrambling sure. all day long yeah yeah and that's kind of why we have brad on the podcast too because while elite was down there fishing our you know, boat tournament or whatever you want to call it, because, you know, we're a bass club and everybody in the club runs bass boats. Brad here was down there fishing on the kayak side because there was a big kayak tournament down there that weekend, right? Yeah, yes, sir. Thought about it. So, so I have a question. Uh, you have guys um, that are new to your, your trail, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. is, is it that uh, they're bringing uh, different techniques uh, from where they're coming from? And these fish haven't seen these techniques uh, that they're using. No. So they're catching more fish or 
is it just that you're putting in the time dude it's, it's, it's I, a time because I, I mean i just answered the question from the guy who wanted it's, it's really the time and just the lineups he's learning how to line up better um but the but the way he's catching them is how most people catch them in south texas deep cranking and dragging big plastics I, I think it takes time to learn how to catch i think every state you go to is different like if you talk to somebody in texas whether it's Rayburn, Falcon, Choke, Fork, Amistad, when you get into the summertime like this, when you're talking about post-spawn fish, they're getting into their summertime patterns or whatever. I mean, it's kind of the, don't get me wrong, you can go out there and catch them on a drop shot. You can catch them on a shaky head, but, you know, consistently catching those big fish, it's crazy to think that they've been doing it this same way for 40 years, but dragging big Carolina rigs, throwing deep diving crankbaits, football jigs, big Texas rigs, you know, those, those particular styles of fishing consistently produce big fish here in the state of Texas. Now there always is exceptions to the rules, you know, like the guy that just won the Toyota series at Rayburn last weekend, he won by like 20 something pounds. Mm -hmm. He had 26, 24, 26 pounds the first day had 29 pounds the second day, and then he had 17 or 18 pounds the third day, something like that. But he was he beat the second-place guy by 20-something pounds, and he was a guy that had never been to Rayburn before from New York, and he was offshore off fishing brush piles, throwing a drop shot and a few other things, you know, but he was still offshore doing that summertime thing, you know. So I think what happens is, like, we talk about Jeff Jones, being new to the club over the last couple of years. Well, Jeff Jones came from out of state. I think he's from Georgia originally because like I know he's a big Georgia Bulldog fan. So I think he's from the Southeast over there, but I think it's taken him a little bit of time to realize or to not realize, but to get comfortable with the techniques that it takes to consistently catch those better than average fish. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I agree. So, I mean, you know, I don't think it's so much new techniques and stuff like that as much as it's just, you know, getting comfortable with the things that work. Like you heard Mikey G just say, you know, how to get lined up on a spot. You know, I mean, you can go, you can pick an offshore spot. And sometimes when they're actively feeding, it don't matter where you're at. As long as the bait's up there, you're getting bit. But yeah, when that could even just be around them and they'll come get the bait. But when that bite turns off and they're not actively feeding anymore, it's usually one specific lineup where you're casting into the same and that bait's coming across that cover the exact way it needs to be. And that's how you get a bite. If you get 10 or 15 tweet feet over to the right or 10 or 15 feet over to the left, you're not getting bit. You could watch an episode of Edwin Evers' episode when he goes down to Falcon with uh, Matt Reed, and he talks about that. Falcon's been low for a long time, and its fish is very small. But, you know, uh, Edwin Evers was in his boat talking to him like, man, like all these people just come watch you and check how you get on your spots or wh- what your spots are. And he's like, it's all good. They don't know the lineup. Yeah. And so that's that's the deal with offshore fishing. It really the lineup and the angles matter a lot more than most people give them credit for. You can't just be around the juice. You got to be lined up on it. Yeah. Right? Well, well, how many times have you ran down a lake? All of us ran down a lake. See somebody on a spot that you know of. Yeah. And you're just like, can't like you see them as you're running. 
you're just like, you're not even going to catch shit. Yeah, yeah. How, not, many, how many times does that happen? Because yeah. it's happened to me quite well, a bit. Well, like, for instance, you know, talk about we're a fishing podcast or talk about fishing and whatever. But I know a lot of podcast listeners listen to, like, BTL and, you know, Low Budget Live, Luke Duncan, all that. Well, the guy that does day four on BTL, that Frank Scalish guy, he's a pro from back in the – I mean, he fished the – he was on the original Elite Series back in 2006. And he's from – his name's Frank Scalish. He's from up north. He's okay. from Ohio. Okay. He's a friggin' killer yeah. up there on the smallmouth. Yeah. But he talks about offshore fishing for smallmouth. And in one of the episodes I listened to, he talks about whenever he finds fish on an offshore spot, he will fish it from all four directions mm. before he leaves and goes to the next spot. So, of course, he'll always start out deep, casting, you know, working the bait from shallow to deep. Then he'll move up to the side, cast down it to where you're bringing it parallel. Then he'll move up shallow and bring the bait from deep to shallow, fishing uphill. And then he'll go to the other side and parallel it down the other way. So he makes sure every time he gets to an offshore spot, he'll fish it from all four directions before he leaves because you never know exactly which direction is going to trigger those fish. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that was a long-winded answer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah sorry about that so, brad sorry yeah, about get that back, get back on the kayak talk dude so we were down there in our boats just zooming past you guys and cutting you guys off because we're faster than you guys are like but how did how did the how did the kayak thing go yeah how was it uh, uh the first part of the day was kind of rough actually um i think we were uh, delayed maybe uh, at least an hour at right? least two hours there was some nasty uh, lightning storms yeah, down there that the weather really? was bad yeah. at the beginning and uh, the wind calmed down a little bit, but yeah. then it picked back up. Yeah. And that made it very hard. Uh, even when I got to the spots where I, I found fish, uh, there's already people there. Cause you, <laughs> you know, you said it was fishing small. Yeah. So it does. The dam like was, it was slam packed. Yeah. Now where being the kayak tournament, where did y'all launch out of South shore or Callahan? Uh, well, I, uh, launched out of Cal- uh, South Shore. You launched out of South Shore. Right, so it's a trailer in event. Y'all could launch from different areas. Different areas. Right, cool. You gotcha. That's cool. Because yeah, you're also talking to people. I don't think we're I, not very I, well versed in kayak. Never so, yeah, kayak. feel free to school us. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. We've been, we've been talking about trying to get more people from the kayak. Exactly. So, so in kayak fishing, right? You can launch at different spots as long as it is inside the boundaries okay. of where everybody could, everybody can launch from. Could launch from. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then there's designated ramps that you guys are allowed to launch from, right. not just one ramp, but somebody could have launched by themselves off some private property. Somewhere. No, okay. because then everybody can't get uh, use that launch point. I see. Okay, gotcha. So what uh, in the kayak tournament, what is y'all stringer? I mean, is it like in our bass tournaments, it's the five heaviest bass that we can weigh in. Of course, naturally, we keep them alive and bring them back to the weigh-in and all that. The kayak's a little bit different. So kind of explain that, like how that works, how you – weigh in your fish or how you measure your fish and you know that kind of stuff so um they measure them and then they have uh, an app where you can actually take the picture through the app so so hold on i don't mean to cut you off but just so we can explain it because i mean like us we've never fished a kayak tournament so like let's say you're out there fishing you catch a you catch a bass right and you want to weigh it in What's the process you go through? Like you, you've caught the fish and now you're sitting in your kayak and you're holding this fish in the net. Then right. what do you do? 
So from there, what I would do is, and this is totally uh, different from everybody else. Sure, of course. Um, I'll get my my measuring board out. Mm-hmm. I measure it, and I take because it's also not on weight, correct? It's on no, length. it's on length. Total. So I'm taking the picture, inches. and if I have a signal, I am submitting that fish right then. Right then, because. There's, I'm gonna be honest with you. I was out there. There are certain spots I did not have a signal in order to submit my fish. Okay. Okay. So, and you have an identification card. So every time you submit a fish, that identification card is right there. Gotcha. So you catch the fish. You're sitting in your kayak. You got the measuring board laid across your legs or your lap or whatever. So you set the fish on the board. You put your little identification card down there and then you're using your cell phone to take pictures of the fish so they can see that it's on the board right and how long it is and all that oh yes sir okay cool so i guess it just needs to be done within tournament hours because like you said there's some spots you'll go to like on amistad or whatever where you have to come out of a canyon to get a signal even right so as long as as long as the fish is submitted before tournament hours are over you're good to go you're good to go okay all right so how many fish have fell off the board as you're trying to like (laughs) trying to take a picture just curious yeah oh man uh this last tournament actually had three fish jump off jump off that's some (laughs) shit dude i'd be pissed wow and i I, and i probably would have been uh i would say top 20. okay And it is how, and that was what, like 80 kayaks that tournament, close to 100, I think, right? We had 95 kayaks. 90, Shut okay, the so, fuck up. Wow. That's a big deal, dude. Kayak fishing is obviously like we're kind of behind the ball yeah. and that stuff. There's, there's absolutely very it's a big so. Deal. How many fish are you allowed? How many fish count towards your stringer? Your, your uh, longest five. Your, so, so y'all use the longest five, we use the heaviest five. So, yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. it's still a five fish stringer, yeah, yeah, in kayak. And what, uh, what organization were you fishing? What what who puts on that kayak yeah, tournament? That was Texas uh, Texas All Star Trail. Texas All Star Trail. All right. Okay. How many are there? That, that are, what are what's active right now? Like how many trails can you go and fish this weekend? Well, okay, this weekend, right? Um, coming up, you have a, a trail uh, that's going to fish out of uh, Fayette. Uh-huh. Um, that's Texas All Star. Uh, that's a team tournament so that's new a team tournament yeah that's which okay. i've never uh did an actual that is team yeah, yeah. Uh, so i'm gonna have a partner that we submit our fish together so yeah. i don't know how that's gonna that's that works that's if it's still only gonna be your heavy, your longest five or if now it's gonna be your longest 10 because there's two of y'all correct not real sure how that's gonna work out yeah. so what is what is an entry fee to get into a kayak tournament uh, it all depends on um, what you're actually trying to to do. So, okay. for instance, we have, uh, if you just want to fish it, this last tournament, 30 bucks you're in. Okay. But okay. then if you want to do biggest fish, then that's an extra 10 bucks. Yeah. Okay, okay. So similar, because our, our entry fee for our club is 50 bucks for the tournament, right? Correct. That includes big bass. So basically 40 and then 10 goes a big bass. Right. right. So, um, so that's similar pricing from like the best, you know, like yeah. the lunker hunters and okay. stuff like all that, right. right? Like the Thursday nighters and all that. Yeah. And I've, I've never really like looked into like what it costs to yeah. fish one, you know, that's why I was, yeah, yeah. I was curious. So have you fished one of these kayak tournaments before or was this your uh, first one? This was my second one. Second oh, wow. one. All this right. Rookie. We got a rookie in our house. <laughs> this was my second one. Um, I'm actually, I'm coming from, uh, fishing boats 
two fishing kayaks because man, you're a brave man uh and a big man i'm not saying that boats are um they're not worth their value yeah but they're very expensive right now so yeah, i yeah. figure you know i still have a love for bass fishing yeah and i want to get out there and this is the best way for me to get out there this, this is a way to do it very well, on a, very well put. Yeah, you have a love for fishing and this is a way to do it a lot more economically yeah because even right. like us that own boats at this point like there was a time where we were crawling around creek beds and going yeah. down the river and we were just, i just wanted to put a hook in a bass that's it and that, that was the only species i was after as well i wasn't trying to catfish uh, we've talked about Quinn and Taylor on the podcast before, like the best multi-species angler. Like I've never cared to catch anything. Other Carb. Than, no, just bass. Dude. <laughs> but before I had a boat, same thing, right? Like that was before kayaks were big in fishing. So remember the Bass Busters back in the day? You had yep. a two-man Bass Buster with a trolling motor on it. Absolutely. Like, um, but they never had Bass Buster tournaments, dude. It was just, you know, but the kayak thing, is just it's impressive how it's blowing up. No, you know? it is. It's, it's pretty legit. And yeah. I mean, it has made it to the forefront. It's right. on all fishing. Yeah, Elite Series has the bass. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the kayak series has it, but not just bass fishing. I mean, it's gotten huge, like down in the saltwater, saltwater. too, on the redfish world. They have redfish tournaments and kayaks. And, I mean, it is really kind of taking the world by storm because I think a Very, lot of people. And quickly, too. Yeah, so, like, I went to high school. One of my good friends in high school, his younger brother, he is actually a kayak guide over in Kima over by Galveston. He fish, does nothing but red fishing in the kayaks. And it's so funny because I remember before he moved to Kima, he used to go to Medina Lake all the time. And he had a little Toyota Corolla or Camry or something like that that had a trailer hitch on it. And he had a little bitty trailer that had two kayaks on it. And I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I wouldn't be able to tow my bass boat with a Corolla. But I mean, literally, man, you can get into it and you don't have to break the bank to get into it. So uh, my some of my relatives, they do uh, guide fishing in Louisiana, and they use kayaks, and they actually do red fishing, right. uh, and they use them, and they go to the marsh. Okay. And, oh, yeah. And you would be surprised on some of the, lar I'm talking about large redfish that they catch, that if you were in a regular boat, you could not access them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool, though. Dude, that's crazy. Well, I know, uh, like, my buddy John Demonet over in Cali. Mm -hmm. he does both he so he'll fish like the the one bass opens or he'll fish the aba tournaments out there and then the kayak tournaments he'll actually fish too as well so they kind of set up sometime on the same weekend where he's going out of town to those lakes for the boating <laughs> tournaments and then he'll just double dip really so, yeah so he'll fish both tournaments the kayak take his boat. kayak in the truck yeah. with him yeah. fish one day and then fish the next yeah so he's done with it and he's winning on both especially the that's kayaks. crazy yeah. Yeah. dude i can't get over like the the talking about kayak fishing and stuff like of course i follow a bunch of bass fishing on social media and stuff but that girl christine fisher she is legit i'm not familiar with this well, girl. so <laughs> she's in the market that uh, i think it's untapped i mean she so she is she has fished a couple of the boater stuff like she's fished a couple of the Bassmaster Opens and stuff like that as a co-angler and whatnot. But she fishes the professional trail, the Hobie Trail or whatever. And, I mean, dude, she is – it's so crazy watching some of the videos she has. But she's back in these creeks, and she's standing up in that kayak and skipping that bait under overhanging limbs and all sorts of stuff. And, I mean, it, she's legit. She's the real deal. Like, I seriously think 
watching her skill set, I mean, you could put her in a boat and she'd compete. Yeah. Like, she's good. That's good to see, though, female. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what the best part about her is? She is a she is truly doing it because of the fishing. It's not because yeah. of all she, it ain't it ain't clickbait. She yeah. ain't out there yeah. in a bikini, so you know, yeah. holding yeah. a fish or nothing like that. Like she's yeah, yeah, truly yeah. hardcore I'm about, to get about fishing. Yeah. Well, I think social media has really pushed kayak fishing uh, to the forefront. You have uh, anglers like Mike Iaconelli and the rest of these guys getting into it. Uh, yeah, it's going to push it to to the forefront. Most definitely. I got the ice, dude. Like, oh god, the polar pop. <laughs> the polar pop. Polar pop. So it was cool. Like I think this is a, a cool deal. Like we mentioned a little bit. I think it was. It's one of the things we were talking about. I guess discussing in the show was like, we were out there in a boat. Brad, you were out there in a kayak. Like, what, what are some of the differences, or like, what are some of the challenges you feel like? Like, I feel like one of the challenges for boaters is kayakers, dude. That's yeah. what I feel like. Real know, because real talk. It's like real talk. Like you know, it's um. And it's not that they're a problem or you guys are a problem. It's just like, dude, get off my spot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think there's, there's but, a conversation. Or, or, parking on, or parking on the ramp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, buddy. No, it, I'm, I'm just talking shit. I'm my just bit. saying my that, bit. I mean, fishing, choke is fishing so small right now, but it's just like, it's just, it's crazy when you see like one person get off a spot or a couple of kayaks get off a spot and then you see three kayaks racing towards it or two more boats like, it was just, dude. It was the, it was, it was, it was nasty out there. This weekend well, as far and as like what I think, water. well, and what I think happens is, I mean, you being a fisherman, you're trying to get on a spot. Yeah. Whether there's a boat on that spot or a kayak on that spot yeah. or whatever, I mean, because how many boats did Elite have? Twenty. Something like that. Uh, yeah, no, nah, but not that. Probably like fifteen. I think we had a decent turnout. But yeah. so you know, you got fifteen or twenty boats in a local bass club tournament. Plus, that was another bass boat tournament. I think it was the Christian. Uh, what is it? The Fishers of Men. Oh, the I Fishers think, of Men. Or it was something like that. But so, so pulled. you figure, so you figure, you got twenty boats with one of your bass clubs. You got twenty boats with another bass club. So you got forty. Plus, you throw ninety-five, dude. You might as well be having bass champs out there. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you got one hundred and fifty boats out hey, there. Hey, listen, we both fished bass champs to start the year. It looked a lot like the bass champs day, dude. It was there was just boats on everything. There was because to go. if you yeah. are if you are a fisherman that has any kind of etiquette, yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's a kayak or another bass boat. You're still going to give way to somebody that's already on that spot or. You know, you're not just because just because he's in a kayak and you're in a bass boat, you're not going to pull up on him and go, no, I'm fishing here. Well, well I'm not I'm not going to well, actually. Yeah, some people do do that, Josh. Oh, yeah. so the, hey, look, look, sorry. We're, we're talking about the, the fishy business, right? Or at least yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. Of, like, hey, man, do you mind me fishing? Yeah, yeah. This exactly. Hey, conversation eliminates confrontation. confrontation. Hey, dude. I'm serious. Like, because think about it. If you're if there's a guy fishing a spot that's yeah. in a kayak. Let's say he's fishing a, a long main lake point, right? And he's fishing way up shallow on the point. And you're cruising down with your trolling motor. Mm-hmm. If you get up next to him or close to him, hey, man, I see you're fishing the inside up shallow. Do you mind if I hit the outside end down there? Yeah. He's either going to tell you yes or no. I mean, if he tells you no, yeah, you're probably not going to be happy. But, I mean, you still have to respect it because you're in his area. But, I mean, I think 90% of the time the guy's going to look at you and go, Nah, man, I'm fishing up here. If you want to go fish out here, that's fine. But at, across the board, like uh, even on the BTL bass, mm. there was issues about that all week. Oh, about fishing the same, like the Bassmaster oh, yeah. Open? Fishing no, the same spot. Yeah. It, it, it's, and 
there's, there's etiquette. A, there's, yeah, there's a gentleman. You know, a lot of people say I don't like him. But he, did, <laughs> he, he did. He did the right thing, like him and the gentleman that he had an issue with. Like, just let's talk some things, dude. Come he on. Come he. On. They came together and they had a conversation. Who? Does it rhyme with Schmilliken? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I saw that episode came out too because I think there was some drama that got dropped on the internet about Ben Milliken and then Matt Pangrak from BTL. Which what's funny is Pangrak interviews Milliken after every open yes, tournament. Right. They get together and they talk and stuff like that. And I think they were two of the guys that had not an issue, but like, you know, Matt thought that he was okay fishing out there and then Milliken pulled up and he thought that he kind of should have had that spot or whatever. I mean, but like you said, they did the right thing. They got together, they talked about it, they hashed it out. And I, I don't think it's ever going to be a problem again. That's correct. And, and it's weird. These younger gentlemen came together and had that conversation. Now you have two older gentlemen that they fisticuffs. They need to have a conversation. I would say this. BTL <laughs> needs to understand what what really went down out there on the water. Yeah, and like I said, I mean th- these guys run another fishing podcast, you know, and he's hey it leaps and bounds ahead of what we're talking about here, you know, with us here on this podcast. But we're just trying to like bring to light the conversations and the issues that people have on the water. And I can see it, you know, I run into the same thing down at the coast with guides thinking, well, I fished here yesterday. So you're on my spot now. It's like, dude, I wasn't even here this week. I just got here yesterday, you know, Friday night and I drove down the lake. I saw fish busting. So I stopped here and fished. I mean, you know, you can't know everything. And and things are changing a lot too, because I, you know, I've been fishing choke for well over 10 years now. Right. And so that this is the, well, not, this isn't the first time, but I would say within the last year or two has been the first times that in the tournament game, you have to start considering kayakers. I'm saying that eight years ago when I was putting the choke game plan together, whether it was to fish a club tournament or a, um, what was it, like, um, champs or something. like a champs or something like that. I didn't, I didn't fish that, that much that long ago, but, um, some of the, like the beat, what was the, the TFLs and stuff like that, yeah. right? you, you, you would, you would fish, you would go out and fish, but it was, a, your game plan was just against other boats. And now you're having to work kayaks into that. So when I launched from Callahan, we, the game plan, uh, you know, there was a little bit of a delay for us. We didn't get on the water. I mean, our club didn't make an official delay, but we didn't get on the water till about eight o'clock to let that lightning storm pass. Cause it was nasty. So our original game plan was to fish it because we launched at 630 uh, was to just while it was dark still was just to fish all those little rocky points in Callahan heading out to the main lake. Well, since we got an hour late start, um, you know, there was, we were going to run a section of uh, that just that big ledge on the way out from Callahan. Everybody sees it. it's a big rocky ledge. It's usually a deeper underwater point. But right now you can fish the ledge of it. And I had to work my my boat in between two kayakers mm-hmm. and then uh, actually a buddy of mine that I know through social media, Eugene Mora, I think he got second on that yes, tournament. Um, so me and I was I was parallel in the bank and I had just missed a decent one, like a four or five pounder. And then he was coming up and then we start talking. But it's just etiquette, right? Like I, I he's in a kayak. I have a trolley motor and I can easily go around him like there was not even no discussion to be had. It was just like, yeah, I'm in the boat. I'm going to go around this guy. He's going to cut through and we're going to talk fish for a couple of minutes yeah. and while we pass way. by yeah. and yeah and you're going to be on my way but that's just part of the game now right? let me ask like, you a question uh, you can tournament directors actually uh mitigate some of this stuff like for instance come together hey look, hey look we're gonna have a big tournament this week yeah next year can you not have 95 uh, other fisher fishermen on 
this day. So we don't run into that issue. I, I think I, I don't know if people are planning tournaments a year out right now. Most clubs, well, at least clubs aren't. I mean, sure, well, and the hardest, the hardest part with a lot of the local stuff, like the smaller stuff, like we're talking about, either Lunker Hunters or our local bass club or the or the, lo- other, or the, the local seven bass clubs in town, you know, or the local kayak guys and stuff. The biggest problem that we fight, especially being in San Antonio, is we don't ever know what ter- what lakes we're going to be able to fish year to year. Yeah, what's, like what's look, the, like look at Falcon for instance. Yeah. we haven't had a we haven't had a tournament in the lead in Falcon in what two years. Yeah, so I mean it's kind of like well that's because we can't go down there. Well, yeah, well we used to go at least twice a year. Now we're going once just to keep it on the schedule. Yeah. yeah. So, but I think there was a year um, for elite that we haven't been down there. But I think maybe what's more fresh on your head is like champs hasn't been down there. In a yeah, we haven't been there since 2019. Exactly. So yes, yeah, that's going on four years or yeah. hasn't been. That's crazy. I know. You think about that. I know. Um, so, but yeah, interesting. Well, hey, let's take our first break here, and then we're going to get back to it here in just a minute. Cool. All right, so we're back after our first break, but. We were just kind of talking. I know, Mike, right before we went to break, you were talking about uh, Eugene Mora. Yeah, yeah. So he got second. He got second place. Who won? Time. Congrats to him. Brian's, uh, Brian Scarberry won that one. Brian Scarberry. Yeah. So Brian got, Brian Scarberry got first. Eugene, who you place. know, got second. So that's good. That's good. If you, yep. At least we know a couple of those guys, yep. I think, right? In our club, we talked, we started the podcast talking about a mega bag being caught. Jeff Jones caught 33 pounds. Uh, Joe Tompkins, I think he had like 20. And then another guy has had 26 pounds. I think I might have said that already. But so how many how many I guess inches did it take to win the kayak tournament? Bro, I'm not good at math. So first first place, Brian, he had 113.25 inches, and then Eugene had 86.75. Okay, so 113 inches. 113 inches. That's a big bag. That's, that's a big something. I'll tell you what. Sum, dude. I remember when 10 inches used to be considered a lot. Dude. 113 <laughs> inches. I'd, I'd be I, I'd be divorced. Shit. I can't even. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> you sent somebody to the emergency room, dude. <laughs> but so that's and I and I guess that's the hardest thing is like we're sitting here going. Oh, well, is that 20 pounds? Is that 25 pounds? Is that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, and this is just a thought, has the kayak world considered going to some kind of Weeks, like catch, weigh, and release, like, you know? Like MLF? Like MLF. Yeah. You know, everybody has those, digital scale. the Rapala scales now, you know, make everybody get the same scale and, sure you know, you can. You can you know, take a picture of it and take a picture of the screen or whatever. And then, you know, then you could get back on that weight format. I don't know if it's possible, but I mean, I don't know how hard that would be in a kayak. I've never been in one. But with your experience, has there been any talk about going to weights instead of inches or that's just the way it plays in the kayak game? I think that's just the way it plays in the All right. kayak game for okay. right now. All right. But uh, I, that's a great idea, though, um, because I think that you'll bring in different people if you go to actually weighing them. Well, because I know like when MLF first went to their catch, weigh, and release, which I'm still on board with the catch, weigh, and release. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's awesome. You other catch than, a fish. Other, other than boring weigh-ins. Well, other, other than boring weigh-ins, but I'm talking about as far as from a from a conservation standpoint and stuff like that, I don't have a problem with it. But when they first started doing it, every fish counted. Yeah. So like you would hear, that was oh, terrible. Jacob, Jacob Wheeler won 
Lake Okeechobee with 237 pounds. And it's like, <laughs> but I, I, because of what I'm used to, you know, five fish, I don't know what 237 pounds relates to, you know, yeah. I don't know if that's a good day or he caught 122 two pounders well, or that's why it was like a dink fest like you could land on a school of two pounders yeah. and just wail on them all and i long. and i and i think they learned because when they first started mlf it was a one pound minimum yeah then it went terrible. to a two pound minimum and you know well now they're back at five fish yeah this year so and i think that's because 90 percent of the nation when you it talk about bass pounds. fishing if i i can walk into any tackle shop and if someone says Hey man, did you have a good day? Yeah, man. I had about, you know, my best five went about 20 pounds. Yeah. Everybody knows like, Hey, okay. That's a pretty good day. Or don't get me started on MLF, Josh. Dude, I'll start screaming right now, dude. That was the worst. Well, hear me out though. Cause like, I'd be, I'd be upset though too. Like, so think about it. If you catch a two pounder, but it's freaking long as shit. Yeah. You know, and it, it, but in all reality, it kind of measured up to like a four pound. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. then that's kind of like, OK, it seems you see what I'm saying? Suspect. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So so even so on our bag, we had we only weighed 12 pounds in and we had like a five and a half and some swimmers to go with. it. Well, we actually had a five and a half and what should have been probably like a four and a half pound fish. Dude, but the thing was, it was we, me and Richard was like, dude, this is a zombie fish. It didn't even look like it should be alive. dude. Mm. It was all head and then just like rib cage and nothing of a tail on it dude so but that fish my, was my, probably my partner calls those crimlick crimlick the yeah, crimlick yeah exactly but the <laughs> fish was probably 18 or 19 inches like when it came up and the head shook i was like oh let me go grab the net this is probably like a five plus yeah. you know and then when it landed in the net and i picked it up it was just like that fish might have weighed two pounds dude but it was just all oh, head and spine that's yeah. it dude it was crazy i had an extra so, like that <laughs> You had a what? Ex-girlfriend like that. Oh. <laughs> All head? Weird. All head. Well, listen, you have... All head, though. MLF, you know, they have multiple different, I guess you would call them trails that fall up under them, right? Yeah, because you and... have, they still have the invitationals, which are five fish. You weigh them in at the end of the day, stuff like that. You so know, they and... still have a weigh-in, like, okay. Yeah, I guess big deal... we shouldn't say MLF. We should say the Bass Pro Tour. The Bass Pro Tour, yeah. Because they're the, the ones that did it, you know. Boo. But the invitational, <laughs> you show, you'll, you're weighing them. And then that, that's supposed to be the feeder system that feeds into BPT. Yeah, right? the top eight. Yeah. The top eight at the end of the year go to the BPT. Yeah. What about heavy hitters? Who won that one? Alton Jones. Alton Jones, Alton Jones Jr. Jr. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not a large margin. I, I, I'm just large. biased. If it's not about bass, I'm just I'm not interested because I just don't feel the other tournament trails, like you talked about, Josh. We've been, it's been, and that's why a lot of like, the Polonix. Polonix, Gerald Swindle. They were saying, like, dude, we are wired for a five fish system. Like, so when they went over there to the MLF with all the promises that, and lives that the MLF gave most of these pro anglers, um, there was people that came back the next year and paid a hefty fine to come back to bass because I think the tournament, the tournament angler is was wired yeah. on a five fish system. A live well, even the G-Man, when he came back, he was like, dude, I, I make a, a live well solution to keep fish alive. And I don't <laughs> even use my live wells anymore, dude. Like, what am I doing over here? You and know? I, I think the biggest problem when they started the every fish counts thing is they had they, they still have not figured out a way 
to let well so here here, here's the thing and i'm and i should i'm trying not to jump on the bandwagon too bad of bass only because dude honestly if it's professional fishing it's professional fishing i like to try to keep up with it as much as i can just because i like fishing yeah and i and a lot of those guys that fish the bass pro tour are heroes that i watched growing up i mean that's where kvd's at that's where you know So, but I think the biggest issue that they had when they tried to do that was they have not figured out a way to let us local guys compete the same way they can. Yeah. Like we can't go out and have that tournament. Yeah. No, we can't get reps at our boat to hold our iPad. Exactly. And we can can say, okay, yeah, you're going to weigh every fish. Every fish counts. But now you're just trusting everybody else that, oh yeah, no, I had a six pounder. Look, it's on my scale. Yeah. But you don't know if they were tugging on that tail exactly. a little bit or and whatever. Think, and I think that ties back to the kayak thing. Like, if you're trying to take a, a selfie with a fish and a skip, like, it's yeah. just too hard to do. The only thing that's easy to do is scoot back, look at the inches. Laid flat on, yeah. on the board. Well, they, are, they already had cheating, too, in kayaks. Yes. Oh, yeah. With the extra tail, right? It was, like, something about the extra tail cut off. and they, they put Editing, it in. all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, of course. But I, I think that hey, dude, cheaters actually, you know, actually Bash could take some Shoot your on. shot. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. From MLF. Um, because during the summertime, that's when a lot of fish fatalities happen during this hot period. I don't of time. know, man. I, I just right? feel like most biologists usually confirm that there's like a million 10 pounders in most lakes, dude. Like maybe not that many, but the, what the. The death rate of a fishing tournament, I don't yeah. feel like negatively affects, not from a tournament. I'm not saying that if like what happened at Amistad, right? Like maybe we'll bring that up. Like when everybody went to Amistad and then people started taking fish home, that's different. But if a bass stops at Amistad and there's a few big ones that they lose in the tournament, that's not going to kill the fishery. Well, no, and it's it's not going to kill the fishery. But I think I, I do kind of see what you're saying because I don't – I think if you hold, if you host a fishing tournament in the summertime, yeah, and you have people that are passionate about bass fishing, like I know, like myself, my partner and I, when we have to fish a tournament in the summertime, dude, we've got ice in the boat, yeah. we've got all that stuff because yeah. we're worried about that stuff. Of course, I think what happens is you get a lot of guys that don't really worry about that stuff. Yeah, carry ten pounder around all day long. Or I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at anybody that has an older boat but you know you get these guys that have older boats live wells don't work all the time you know it's it's, but but the the thing is the technology that was built into that 85 ranger in the same technology that's put into a you know a 2010 with the you know the constant uh aeration aeration and all that stuff you know too so the oxygenators and all that so you know it's if you're not careful, if, yeah. you, if you're not caring for the fish the way you're supposed to be, I think that's why you get the big mortality rates in the summertime and stuff like that. Like, I ain't gonna lie, dude. The Metro tournament's my favorite tournament to fish every year, dude. I was literally gonna bring that up, dude. That but, year we went to Falcon. But that year we oh, went to Falcon because Kyle went and fished with me. We stayed at your house. Yeah. Dude, there was friggin' fish floating all over the place in the friggin' county ramp. No, I know. That was bad on us. They caught a lot of heat for that, dude. Like, yeah, it was all over social media for yeah. sure. It yeah, was all over social media, dude. There was so many floating five to eight pound fish. It was not funny, dude. And who like, and who was the main club that got blamed? Who's that? Who was the main club that got blamed? I don't know. It was like, wasn't us. We didn't win. No, but we always catch the heat, yeah. dude. It doesn't hey, matter. It's That's true. It. It's true. 
But no, like I mean, and like my and like. Hey, well, listen, you know why Ali got playing for all the dead big fish, dude? Like, because we're the only fucking club that catches big fish. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, seriously, like that was the first thing that came to my mind because I remember sitting there at that way and and seeing those fish floating in the that first tank. Thing that came to Josh's mind is those must be all elite big fish. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> But, but so yes, I can catch some heat for that. I, I didn't mean to say it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to say that it doesn't matter if we kill fish. Listen, I have a lodge that's on Falcon Lake. Like I need that lake to fish well, and I need big fish to stay alive. Absolutely. For me to have a successful business there on Falcon Lake, right? Um, I'm just saying it doesn't hurt it as bad as people make it out to be. I think the fish populations are pretty healthy. No, they um, are. But 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 yes, that shouldn't put any shade on conserving or trying to do the right thing. Absolutely. Fish. And you know. For the 80 guys that fish the Bass Pro Tour because they're capable of putting a marshal in every boat yeah. and all that, they can pull it off. Yeah. But they haven't figured out a way to trickle that same scoring system down to the local clubs to make it, one, economical, yeah. to make it, two, uh, kind of foolproof, like yeah. to where you can't cheat too can't bad cheat on it. it. I mean, don't get me wrong. If people want to cheat, they're going to cheat. Yeah. They're going to find a way around the rules. They're going to, and it doesn't matter if you're fishing a club tournament, if you're fishing bass champs, if you're fishing Bassmaster opens, Toyota series, if you want to work at it that hard and find a way to cheat, there's always somebody that's pushing the rules. Yeah. Always. Yeah. You can't, you you know. can't fight that. Haters going to hate and cheaters going to cheat. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, what's, what's I mean, look at pushing well, the gray area. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and and like me, for instance, like my partner and I, Kyle, I mean, our deal is there's always going to be people that are pushing the rules. But ultimately, you're the one that has to sleep at night. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I know that we do it by the book. We do it by the rules. Yeah. And if we win, we win. Yeah. If we don't, we don't. Hey, you know, listen, you, you have to know just from the human condition there's no way that if you cheat to win you sleep good that night or you feel like you oh, yeah. accomplished anything so i know these guys personally when josh and kyle win a tournament because dude kyle is crazy when it comes to rules like i told him a few times like things that i did and he was like dude do you even read rules and i'm like no i don't dude. <laughs> it's like what do you read the whole iphone like contract before you sign it like nobody yeah, reads it, just sign it, just dude. Sign it dude. <laughs> agree to terms just yeah, check the box exactly yeah. you know but kyle is the kind of person who reads them top to bottom so that way he makes sure that when he wins there's nothing to worry about yep mm -hmm. so, so and one of the you talk about kyle with the rules right so kyle's of course a big time fisherman but one of the other things that he does he and his brother he was real big into racing oh yeah and his brother his brother's one of the best engine builders around builds awesome motors for yeah. all sorts of stuff race cars and big old those tractor pulls you know that pull it's those her, big sleds her. all that stuff so that's what his brother does so kyle grew up from a racing background well when you're in a racing background you're reading all the rules because you're trying to figure out what you can get away with sure you know yeah. hey it's it, it's in the rule book hey i can do this or i can do that yeah. so it's kind of the exact opposite in the bass world we're reading all the rules to find out what we can't do yeah you know in the racing world you're reading all the rules trying to figure out well hey if i can put this little bit bigger carburetor on here i can go just a little bit faster sure. or vice versa you know sure. so yeah he is a rules nut which you know what he keeps me straight yeah. you know <laughs> so i ain't, i ain't complaining yeah yeah i wonder how many like uh mechanics uh, wore out their motors uh, 
on the bass boats and like, oh, I'm going to get a few more. Well, it makes you wonder, like on the bass boat side, you know, on the Pro Tour, it's a 250 horsepower limit. Yeah, correct. Right? But if you bore it out, you can get more Well, or like on the Yamahas, like the shows, they sell the ECM flashes you can buy, and that yeah. thing's 332 yeah. horsepower hmm. after you flash it. Yeah, like when I repowered my boat, right? Uh-huh. I was trying to get pricing on a 225 because I was like, well, let's, let's like it's, it's a 20 foot, it's a 202 champion. It doesn't need the 250. But the guys that rebuilt my boat, uh, the shop Marine cleanup in East Texas, they were like, hey, dude, it's basically the same price for a 225 to 250. Yes. Everything is the same other than the program. Other, the other than the computer. The, yeah, the Mercury exactly. and the Yamahas are both the same. Yeah. The 200, the 225, and the 250. It's the same cowling. And it's the same size block. Even the 300, they're all the same block, same everything. It's just different programming in the computer. That's it. So it, if you flash it, now all of a sudden you got 300 horsepower. Mm-hmm. So I guarantee and Mercury fun. is better. <laughs> hey, real quick, Mike. Yeah. Let's talk about the story on Lake Austin when we got in the boat without knowing. <laughs> knowing and how stupid the hell, dude, how fucking dumb were we to no, run down hey, the lake that fast? Hey, listen, we were, uh, I had just gotten my boat back and we were testing it out. And I was, I had just finished breaking the motor and I was like, dude, this is a small boat and a big motor. Let's see what this thing can do. But, um, you know, there was a few things that when I got that boat back, they weren't just right. And one of them was the steering linkage. And then so when me and, when me and Bo, Joe were chime walking down Lake Austin, dude, doing 76 miles an hour, dude, we go to, we look at the, like, dude, why is this thing shaking so bad? And we realized, like, some of the linkage was messed up, dude. So, <laughs> thank God we're still alive. Dude, dude yeah. Wow. And you feel bad, or you don't feel bad, but you sit here no, wondering. I felt great, dude. No, but <laughs> you sit, <laughs> but, like, you sit here wondering, going, dude, I just paid somebody to check all this stuff out. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, I've learned a lot. Dude, I'm 43 years old now, dude, in between having a family and a household and multiple businesses and building uh, classic cars and bass boats. Dude, don't trust anybody. Do not trust anybody. Like, I mean, I just think when you're young, you think you hire people and you have, like, to me, when I got my bass boat built, it was supposed to be like my monkey garage experience, like where they just, and they did. They, They delivered on everything, but some of the mechanical things, you got to just double check. Don't trust anybody with your life, basically. Dude. Like, yeah. Double check everything. No, I get it. So, so talking about safety. Yeah. Because I know we talked a little bit off air. We've got about 10 minutes or so before we yeah. take our next break. But, Brad, you mentioned in the kayak world, you know, you said something about it's not mandatory to have a flag on the back of the kayak. On the back of the kayak. Yeah. You know. Uh, even the lighting system, you know, they tell you, oh, it's not mandated that you have a lights on the front. Well, yeah, yeah I'm not trying to get run over. I'm not trying to get run yeah. over. So, so here's something that I think is kind of weird, right? And I, and I relate this back to hunting. So in hunting, when you hunt in the state of Texas on any public land, yeah, you are required to wear a certain amount of the hunter orange, the, orange. the fluorescent safety orange, yeah. safety orange, whatever you want to call it. You're required to wear a certain amount, whether it be a hat and a vest or a jacket or something, so you can be seen by the other hunters that are out on that public property. Yeah. So I I was talking to some guys down last year down at the coast. One of the big things down at the coast is everybody wade fishes. Yeah. So you go you drive your boat out to wherever you're gonna do, wherever you're gonna park, and then you jump out and you're walking. Yeah. And I mean you can be a thousand yards from your boat and dude. There's been some times I've been running down the lake and or down the down the bay and looking and next thing I know I look up and 
sheesh, 30, 40 yards in front of me, there's a guy out there yeah. just standing. Yeah. Joe Slover, dude. Just yeah, just put your best on Joe. No, shit. but but so I, I told the guys, <laughs> I told the guys I was with, I was like, you know what, dude, I think it ought to be required if you're going to get out of the boat, if you're going to leave the safety of the boat, and you're going to get out and you're going to take off walking, because a lot of these guys, they drive the boat out there before sunup. Oh man, they're getting out of the boat before it's even light out, and they're wearing a a khaki tan fishing shirt or a whatever. Oh, and they're, they're wearing a sand colored fishing <laughs> shirt at the beach. At the beach like, in the sand. Yeah, exactly. With no sun. Yeah. In, in fisherman style. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking incognito. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking, dude, I could run over one of these guys and or, or get too close to them and it'd be too late. Like I've yeah. never even seen them. So I started thinking same thing in the kayak world. Same thing in the kayak. You know, you get like we're sitting here in Fish Taco Marina and we're looking at a kayak that's army brown. Yeah. Or camo brown or army green or it's I mean green. It's whatever. Green. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> but you know, we're sitting here looking at that and I'm sitting here going, dude, if it was six thirty in the morning, that sun's barely creeping you're over, not you're that. not gonna see that yeah. out there. Especially doing sixty five horn on my kayak. Or See, that could be another thing, too. A whistle. Yeah. Like, if you carried a whistle around yeah. your neck, at least you could blow the whistle. start blowing the whistle. Yeah, Josh likes blowing the whistle, dude. That's right. We're going to blow it up right here. But, hey, Will, you got any safety whistles in here, dude? <laughs> <laughs> but, but for real, like, I, so that same thought came to my mind when you were talking about the flag. I'm like, man, maybe, maybe it should be required if you don't have – a powered vessel to get out of the way to your own safety. Maybe there should be some kind of rule like, Hey, you know, uh, every, everybody needs to wear a, you know, a fluorescent or, orange hat or, or like something. A flashing light, something. Oh, or like one of those ones that you put on your, like a vest or something yeah. like that. But that, see, the problem with that is if you're coming up behind them, yeah, you'd never you see it. Yeah. Get so, two of them, one for the back. And one well, for the front. so think about this in a bass boat, you're during, not ours. You're required to have that anchor light on the back that can be seen from 360 so, so degrees. Aren't required to have an anchor light. Well, it depends. Uh, if you have a trolling motor on there, then you're required. But if you don't, because it's motorized, it's, so they figure you're going to go further out. Mm-hmm. But some of these kayakers with a foot pedal driver exactly. going across the lake, dude. So and dude, if you're out in the middle of the lake in the dark, you need to have a friggin' light. That's crazy. It's not. By Texas State Parks and Wildlife, it's not. I'm going to write my state representative. Because they don't have. It's not motorized. Greg Abbott's the worst. Dude. <laughs> I mean, dude, Greg Abbott. No, I mean, we need to get Texas Parks and Wildlife on the phone. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy that they could go out. I wonder if we can be... get one of the game wardens, dude. Dude, a game warden would be awesome. We'll get Lone Star Law up in this bitch. Right. Let's make it some phone calls. Yeah, but no, but seriously, hey, I, I mean, slamming this whiskey, I'm going to need Lone Star Bell Service tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, dude, we'll, we'll get Uber. We'll get you an Uber. But, but no, seriously, talk. I mean, safety. Hey, you want me to leave my truck over here in Austin Highway? Dude? I don't think so. I'm going to come back to blocks tomorrow morning, dude. Right. Parking at my work. No, you'll come back to a freight. There you go. But yeah, so the safety thing. You mentioned the flag, Brad. And I mean, how is that? I get. How is that not a requirement? Once again, it goes back to uh, actually, if you read the books in the Texas State Parks and Wildlife, they it's not motorized. Wow. So guess what? You don't have to have it. So but there needs to be some onus on the tournament organizations yeah. to require it. The same way the tournaments that the boaters fish, yeah. you're required to wear a life jacket anytime the motor's running. You're required to have the kill switch hooked up. You're 
So there needs to be maybe yeah. a little more. Yeah, yeah, so what you're saying is the tournament directors and the, and the people putting together these events need to be smarter than Texas like parks, laws, yeah. parks yeah. and wildlife laws, and be like, no, guys, if you guys are going to be out past the bank, you're required for our tournament yes. to have a light on your Yes, mm -hmm. because the, the thing... last thing we want is to be trying to have a weigh-in while we hear that somebody's on their way to an emergency room fighting for their life because they got ran over for a because boat. Because the, the thing is, dude, everybody's so sue-happy now. Yep. Even though you might sign up for the tournament and you sign your waiver releasing. Yep. Dude, if I was out in a kayak and, I mean... My wife found out I got run over by some boat that was out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying my wife would sue, but she would be looking from, for answers from answers somebody from like, you know, well, yeah, how, yeah. how could this have been avoided or, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. and I hate to say it, but I'd like to see it a little more proactive because I don't want to see, I don't want it to take somebody dying in order to exactly in order to make something happen not to right. be the morbid guy in the show but i am the morbid guy in the show like you that's are. usually what it takes dude like yeah. even no, that's like, true though think about an intersection or think about like people being like hey we need speed bumps in our neighborhood or we need a stoplight or a stop sign over here like there's been four accidents so far we don't need somebody to die and then once somebody unfortunately gets, once passes, it gets bad enough then they that's when usually when all happens. of a sudden there's a street light so the next hey, week. Hey, Same thing with kill switches. Yeah, to call out the tournament directors and even with the club. Like I think it was talked about um, a couple episodes ago. Episodes whether it was here or maybe I don't know where it was at, but even for elite, we were talking about like why do we have a six thirty? Oh, it, it was, was last, on the last episode. Yeah, last with, episode with the, John, with the when they won the championship. Like yeah, it helped. Them. But see, that's that's the kind of the thing. Like there's the safety issue with which. Listen, there shouldn't be anything past safety, right? Like no. winning or getting an advantage. Like if you get hurt out there, that like what we do and what we're fishing for is nothing. Really. Doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. I mean, even at the pro level, like your life isn't worth a hundred grand or a no. blue, or a blue trophy in the elites. Or Not at like all, that, right? So um, I think that is the conversation that the club does, I, and I'm going to bring it up this year because I think launching at six thirty. Um, you know, when you're young and you're mad at them and you're trying to get out there and do your best to catch them, like that's one thing. But now that you're older and you're wiser and you're like, dude, nobody should get hurt for doing what we do for yeah. 400 bucks. Yeah, we yeah. need to we need to have a safe light launch. And that's yeah. it. And I think safe light is normally it's never it's not. Well, listen, it's not it's not never 630, but it's not always. 630. No, no, exactly. There's half of the year where 630 is not safe to launch. But then the other half of the year, you're good at 630. Right. But so but you, but in order to so for. In a, in a club environment, you have to have constants, dude. That's what I've learned with running this club for seven years. Yes. And I don't run it anymore, but you need constants in there. You need to be like, we launch at 7 a.m. 12 months a year. Because if you try to do it half the year in the next half, then you're having these fights at the end of a weigh-in when some guy comes in like, no, dude, the launch was 630 uh, well, last it was, month. You know what yeah. I mean? And then he launches, and then it moves to 730 yeah. because of safe light. And he was casting at 7. Somebody saw him. He brings in a sack. An honest mistake, too. Dude, yeah. An honest mistake because maybe he didn't fish right. the tournament before or something like that. Maybe you know, he doesn't. There's some guys who don't do social media as much as everybody wants to believe. Like everybody's on Instagram or Facebook. There's just some guys who aren't. No, we have some guys in our club sure. that we still have to text. Yep. You know, because anytime something changes or whatever, we still text hey, dude, them. I'm, or, in, I'm involved with Metro, dude. I had this, I had to mail our our club dues to somebody in hondo somewhere dude like some people mm. just don't operate with venmo or credit yeah. cards it's like no mail this guy a check to his home so that way he can cash it don't, still don't get on the old people now no <laughs> i'm not hating on them like i still accept checks at my business i'm just saying like but everybody thinks that everybody's on this new 
Amazon lifestyle where we're just swiping cards or we're just Venmoing people. And some people don't operate that way. So yes, for the safety and to make sure that somebody doesn't lose their life at a tournament, like things should be talked about. I'm not going to lie. Like there was a couple of times where I seen where like it was dark and I was like, I don't want to fucking launch. And then here comes Mike G dude rolling down the ramp and then Clinton. Oh dude. I was like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta no, go. Out exactly. There, dude. Because you, you feel that pressure. Yeah. It's competitive. It's yeah. the, it's exactly. the competitive pressure, you know? Yep, exactly. It's 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 all that testosterone and fucking uh, Wreck-It the, Ralph over hey, here, dude. He scared the shit out of me. Scared the shit out of me. Especially this Saturday with the weather, oh, it was terrible. I was like, dude, nobody should be launching right now. Yeah, but there were people launching. But there, there were. was, yeah. But see, the people that stay at the ramp, no one's gonna remember their name. Yep. <laughs> Just playing out the joke. The joke, get it? I'm just messing with. Never mind. But it no, died. so I, I do. Safety first, guys. Yeah. Well, I, I do think, and, and like you talk about the kayak thing, you know, because of the rules being a little unclear. It's a gray area. And I, I, this year is the first year I've seen people push that gray area more than ever before. I'm like, dude, you know when you're in the wrong. Stay out of that gray area. Mm-hmm. I think. Too many people live with the mentality of "I'll ask for forgiveness over permission." That's yeah, mean. like you know, just, it's just how you're wired, dude. Like, yeah, no, exactly. Sometimes you have to be that way, and sometimes that helps people get ahead, and sometimes it gets you in trouble. So it just depends on how it plays out that time. You know? <laughs> yeah, rolling the dice. Yep, exactly. Always so, rolling the dice. Yeah, always rolling the dice. But no, Joe, you're exactly right. Like you're sitting there. There's been times Kyle and I've been sitting at the ramp, going, "Dude, it's too dark. We're gonna wait." Then you see a boat launch, take off. Then second boat. Next boat, boat take off. Third boat's backing down the ramp. All right, let's go. And we're going. And it's like, God, we shouldn't be out here yet, you know? Like I told you, the city tournament, because the city tournament, talking about the one at Falcon where we killed all the fish. Yeah. Dude, Kyle and I are friggin' launching at the state park. We're idling over to the Salinas. It's 30 minutes before dark, and we're sitting out there in Mexico in our spot waiting, and yeah. I'm going, what are we why are we here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, 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 that 30 minutes before your first cast, dude, you mm-hmm. start contemplating all your life decisions, dude. Like, you're sitting in the Salinas in Mexico. Or so, there was a Bass Champs that I started in the Salado. 30, yeah. It was a trailering event because it was going to be windy. Yeah. And we're sitting out there, and I'm in the Salado. Like, dude, I can't cast for 30 minutes, and I'm I'm – there's cartel people out here looking for people to you know, kidnap. You know what? I want to I want to talk about like Mexican scary stories. Like, All right, I got, well, I got no, one. No, 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 no. I got one. I know Josh might have some. Yeah, no. Let's like, let's take a break here. The gonna, boat rolling up. Like, yes, let's oh, take a break God. here because I've been run out of the Salinas at gunpoint. <laughs> so yeah, hold on. We'll, we're going to get to that next section. Going to Mexico. Go, viva la Mexico. Here we go. La Casa Pescador. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I like that segue, Mikey G. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. There was a time when I was hauling ass so fast out of Mexico, dude. But it wasn't funny at that point. Dude. No, <laughs> it ain't funny. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's how we're starting, That's how we're starting this segment. segment. So here we go. This segment? Oh this segment. This wow. segment. So, all right, we're going to call this, uh, what? This ain't Falcon Fails because. <laughs> it's fucking fun times in fucking Mexico or scary times oh, in Mexico. Oh, dude, scary times in Mexico. 
hey, fishy business on the wrong side of the border, dude. So, okay. So before we get too deep into the Mexico conversation, as far as like encounters and stuff like that over there, just to finish up what we were talking about, about the safety deal. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people don't realize. We go to these lakes like Falcon and Amistad and you can launch before dark. Yeah. Nobody ever realizes that those Ponga boats and stuff in Mexico, they ain't got lights on them. No, they ain't no. got it. So you're flying down the lake at 70 miles an hour down the Mexican yeah. side. There could be something out there that you don't know about. Yep. 100%. So I think that's why. As well as mile markers that aren't working. Yeah, oh, yeah. Buoys at Amistad that ain't got lights on them. Yep. Those Falcon towers out there. I mean, it's just things that people need to be aware of yeah. before they're doing all this stuff. So that's our end segment on the friggin' safety. But yeah, yeah. All right, so first, guys. that's right. Who, who wants Stay to start off Mexico? Go for it, Joe. You can start, dude. So the only scariest time I had okay. on Amistad, it was right when the border started picking up. Yeah. You know, like out there. And because before, when I, even you told me, you were like, nah, Amistad's cool. Yeah. Haven't had no issues. It, so I went out the week, I'm sure everybody heard about it, where they were having a tournament out there, yeah. And one of the ponga boats was smashing right. in the smashed back, into the back, yeah, couple exactly. Of boats. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, right. So I went out the weekend before, and I already knew, and I already I always carry my gun anyways, right? So this time though, carrying your gun to Mexico, huh? Oh, dude, like uh, no matter where I'm at though, dude. Yeah, I get it. So, anyways, I I roll down there, and this time I put the AR in there, right? I was like, fuck it, I'll just throw it in the lock, uh, rod locker, Extra take clip? it. Down. ER, yeah. <laughs> and anyway, take it, put it down there. And I was like, you know, I'll take it with me. So I go in there and I pass Zorro's, just headed down. Yeah. I go in there and it's probably 435 somewhere in the morning. No, in oh, the afternoon. afternoon. Okay. Right. So I see this Ponga pulling up closer, closer, closer. And now it's probably from here, I don't know, probably to the, the telephone pool. Use football language, dude. How many yards? I don't fucking know. 50 yards? Uh, 25, 30. Okay. Right? right? Yeah. Close. Well, I kept yeah. seeing them encroaching, right? Yeah. Encroaching. And keeps coming, keeps coming. I don't speak Spanish, so I can't communicate. I'm not Mike, you know? Yeah. I'm like, hey, wait, right? 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 So, bro. <laughs> and then, like, I thought I seen a fucking gun, right? So I fucking, I already had the AR pulled up because I, so I was in Mexico. Light people up, oh, dude, I was about to fucking light them up, bro. As soon as I pulled the AR up, and I was just like, hey. They fucking, dude. They backed off? That was it. And they fucking got in their fucking boat and dipped. Wow. Yeah. That was the only fucking scary time. So but check, it was scary to me, though. Yeah, so check this out. Right. So talking about Mexico and the gun thing, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So here's, I've got plenty of guns. I own enough of them. Yeah. But here's the thing that scares me about that. First of all, it ain't exactly legal to take a gun into Mexico. It's not at all. Well, shit, I didn't have a gun then that day. So, <laughs> so, but I know a lot of people, because a lot of fishermen or outdoorsmen and stuff, they carry guns on them all the time, yep. at least a pistol or yep. something, yeah. right? I was carrying nine in my boat, dude. So, here's the thing that scares me about the gun in Mexico. Yeah. Because one of the guys I used to fish with, he got boarded over in Mexico, over in the Coyotes down at Falcon. From a Mexican game warden? No, not a Mexican game warden. Guys rolled up in a ponga boat. Oh, okay, okay. There was five of them. Nice. Guys, nice. guys sitting on a bucket driving it. Sounds similar. Pull up next to him. Two guys jump in the bass boat, go through every compartment. Don't say nothing. Go through every compartment. Yeah. Looking for drugs, guns, people, whatever that yeah. you're, because they're they don't want you encroaching on their territory because they're making the money smuggling. They don't want us doing yes. it. Yes. 
They go through the whole boat, get back in the boat and leave. Everything was cool. Of course, they fired up the motor, went back to the American side and stuff like that. In a hurry. In a hurry. Well, they ended up talking to one of the border patrol guys at the boat ramp and told him about it. And he was like, you know, hey, I think we got boarded by the Federales or whatever. He goes, those aren't Federales. He goes, those are cartel guys looking. Yeah. And he said, man, he goes, next time I'm going to have to start bringing my gun with me. And he goes, don't do that. And the border patrol told him, he goes, if they would have boarded that boat and found your gun, y'all wouldn't have come back. Damn. Yep. Because they don't play like that. Yeah. So it kind of, um, Part of me wants to be like, no, I'm going to take my gun because I'm going to protect myself. Yeah. But then part of me's like, those guys don't mess around. If they would have yeah. been going through that rod locker and found yeah. that pistol. Yeah. He's like, no, you wouldn't have come back. Yeah. Yeah. So money. Yeah. So something to think about. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a gun in Mexico. But... Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's, it was, uh, it kind of blew up. And I think people talk about it on the fishing forum, but I had an encounter too at Falcon and we went into the Salado and it was when the lake was low. I didn't realize at the time how low the lake had got. Um, so, um, it was actually the weekend that me and my partner at the time, junior, Greg Westall junior, we we're talking about trying to have him on the show with some urban angling, absolutely creek fishing and stuff with my, with the other guy. Um, but anyway, he, we, it was actually the first tournament me and him fished together. And so we, we had went down to Falcon Thursday and Friday to just because Falcon, why not? Let's go try to catch 10 pounders. Right. Um, so while we're practicing for this tournament, um, um, I decided like, Hey, this, the lake's low. There's some rocky points. We've, we've, we've done some real good, some damage on some square bills when it gets to this lake level. Right. And, um, so as this is happening, I'm going to Sasado and I just didn't realize how low the lake had gotten at this point. So I understand that the way I looked and I was running and I was looking for the channel. I was asking in and out looking for the channel. And then we finally just get close enough to start fishing some rocky banks. And the way that the lake was at that time, there was angles from the fish camp that, that, the, that there was cuts of the lake that went into the lake. But from the fish camp, there was also land between us and the fish camp. So uh, we were told after the event that it looked like we were we got off our boat and were walking on land when we were with truly just paralleling points and throwing square bills on rocky little ledges and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, long story short, basically, as I leave the Salado, trying to find the the, the uh, again the channel because I'm like, dude, why is it four foot everywhere? I just did not know how low the lake had gotten. And there's a little rocky point area with some hardwoods over there that we decided to fish, and. Um, and yeah, you think you're gonna have a plan, and you think like, well, if we see these people come, we'll just jump on the big motor. And um, so yeah, we're fishing this point. We square bill for a little bit, and when we turn around, we see basically a um, it was a green and white at the time trolling motor list, no trolling motor on this boat. It was a um, dang, it wasn't a sprint. It was a uh, I can't remember. It's a it was a bass Stratus boat. Or something. Uh, it was what? It was a, I think it was a Stratus, a green and white Stratus with no trolling motor on it. So of course, me and Junior are fishing. We're square billing. We have our back towards the cove, and it's right across from the Amer. It's right across from Beacon. Like we could throw a rock at the Beacon ramp from here. That's yeah. how the low of the lake was at the time. Um, and um, so we turn around, and there's a green and white boat with like five guys rolling up on us. And we, I look to the left. There's hardwoods. I look to the right. There's rocks, and there's only one way to get out of this cove, and that's straight at these guys. So I throw my rods down. I'm like Junior, we got a row, dude. Um, and then so at that point. Um, we throw our rods down, I fire up the big motor and the guy in the front of the boat of the, in the Stratus stands up with a, a AK 47 
and tells us to sit down. And so when somebody's pointing a rusty ass AK-47 at your face, you sit down and you kill the big motor. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is happening, dude. Like this is, like, shit got real in a hurry. And like my heart sank, dude. Like I'm, I'm either going to be kidnapped or we're going to be not be breathing in a few minutes. Dude. Yeah. So, no one can uh, kidnap the silver fox. That's no, right. hey, listen, and, and what I always tell people about the story is like people imagine like, oh, there was five guys in a fishing boat. Like, listen, these are these kids and men that were on this boat were not friendly, dude. They were not trying to make friends. It's 115 degrees on a June summer morning, you know, afternoon. Yeah. They're out there. They're foot soldiers, basically. They're burnt to a crisp. They're, that's what they do on the daily is look for people to make sure, that, like you said, they're not really looking for trouble. They're just making sure that you're not encroaching on their territory. And that's what they did. Exactly. They told us, they asked us, what do you have in the boat? We said nothing. So they get close enough to look in the boat. They look around. Uh, my champion doesn't have a lot of compartment area, so I maybe that was good enough for them. I hear them radio somebody, and they said, like, hey, they look okay. What do you want us to do with them? Because I understand Spanish. And I'm like, and in my mind, I'm thinking, like, what if the command from his higher up was, like, kill him, kill him, or bring him back to the camp? Yeah. Or well, how does their boat look? Well, it looks like a decent boat. Well, we need another boat. Bring that one back, and we'll just get rid of these guys. Like, who knows? And then, of course, I'm listening, and he's waiting for the response on the radio, and this guy's got an AK-47 pointing right at us. And then he's like, let him go. And then so they were like, and I'm like, you don't have to tell me twice, dude. We sit down, fire up the big motor, creep my way out, and then all the way back to the county ramp, I'm doing 70 miles an hour. Like, my heart beating out of my chest, dude. Like, yes, that's my story about, you know. And in hindsight, you know, I talked to the guys at Falcon Lake Taco, I, I tackle. I talked to John Adami. He called me like, hey, listen, man, like, you just have to, you have to know, like, don't just roll into Mexico pretending like it's, all fun and games on that side because it's not you know um and then just kind of just know your surroundings know what your there was one time when we went to Salado years and years back even before that i think it was like 2000 and i don't know maybe it was eight or something like that me mark a buddy of mine marcus and tony we went into Salado, and that's what at the time when robert's fish and tackle was still open and we went into the Salado as well and then we went and ate some fish baskets and we talked with robert and he was like where'd y'all fish today we're like oh we rode into the Salado for a little bit he's like what were y'all doing back there, dude? Like the Mexican Marines just mowed down like 20 cartel with an, like a, a 50 caliber. Like there was a shootout like yesterday, dude, you shouldn't be back there. And so we were young and dumb. We were trying to catch big fish, whatever our excuses were. But I'm just saying like, if you're, I don't think it's unsafe. You, you guys still go over there. Correct. Y'all go. Y'all. Well, it's been a little while. Yeah. But, but in, in, even in Amistad, Joe, your story was about Amistad. And I remember when that club that was down there, I think it was um, universal or one of those clubs were, one of those even on amistad and i remember thinking like damn dude i remember amistad was so safe to go to falcon was scary a little bit it was sketchy we had an encounter but amistad was fair game like you don't have to worry about amistad so when we started hearing stories about you know these boats running into people and pulling guns on people i'm like damn dude that takes away yeah you know but now you even see the lookouts right there by the mexican crosses oh yeah you Mm -hmm. see them out there now yeah yeah that's right So so just know your surroundings be safe and just like with the safety thing like your life isn't worth no any type of fish catch no exactly a 10 pounder winning a club tournament winning a champs like if you're not if you don't know what you're walking into probably just turn around dude until you get some information from somebody yeah so research yeah so kyle and i's story from bash from uh mexico was the last bash champs they had at falcon was in 2019 yeah 
Well, of course, 2018, we won fishing in the Salinas. So we're like, Salinas. Dude, we're going back. I mean, we have to, you know, because when the lake has enough water in it, the Salinas holds more big fish than any place on that lake. It is the best place on the, I mean, hands down. So many tournaments won out of Salinas. Now, when the lake gets way up to full pool, the Tigers gets awesome again too because it has enough water in it. Yeah. But when it when when Falcons in that mid range, like fifteen to twenty five feet low, yeah. you know. So we do a bunch of pre fishing and everything, and we go back in their tournament day. Yeah. And there's a bunch of ponga boats running around. There is a ponga boat. Which is normally the sign when there's a bunch of ponga boats going around that it's okay to go back. To because the, right. the ponga boats are out there fishing. Yep. So that's kind of the local code. Right? That's kind of the local code. If there's guys out there running nets, yeah, usually it's okay because apparently when something's going down, you won't see the local fishermen out there. Sure. Like if there's a big drug run going or something like that, they don't they don't even get out on the water. They just stay away. Okay. So these guys, there's people out there's guys out there in Ponga boats. We are about three quarters. If you're just picture you're driving into the Salinas in the boat. And we're about three quarters of the way back on the right-hand side. Okay. We're the last boat in there. And we're fishing. There's other bass boats? There's other, there's 10 other bass boats in the Salinas. Okay. And there's two or three ponga boats out there. Well, as we're going to where we want to go, we shut down because there's a ponga boat there running a net. So we shut down off a plane and idle by them. Kyle and I idle by them. We both stick our hands up and wave. Yeah. They wave at us, you know, and so we idle another... I don't know, 7,500 yards to get to our spot, mm-hmm. put down, start fishing. Well, another boat, another tournament boat comes in and they shut down, idle, past the Ponga boat, past us, and then they keep on going and they go around the corner and get back into the actual creek back there. Okay. Well, they're back there maybe five minutes or so because yeah. they disappear. We can't see them anymore. Well, all of a sudden... That guy in the Ponga boat got a call on the radio or whatever. Hey, them guys ain't supposed to be back here. Yeah. So the Ponga boat fires up, goes running around that creek to go get those guys and tell them to get out. Well, so the next thing you know, we're sitting there. The bass boat disappeared. The Ponga boat disappeared. And we're just sitting there watching, fishing. Next thing we know that bass boat comes out of that creek at a, on pad at about 50 miles an hour hauling butt out of there and that ponga boat's on his ass chasing him no. we're just going and i mean they're on plane and they're swerving because that creek back there gets real narrow Tight, with all yeah. the hardwoods yeah. they drove right by him in fact i know the guys that were in the boat okay. he said they got close enough when they went around them and the and m- went to make the turn in the boat you know the boat dips down on that side he says i f- think i could have reached out and touched somebody on that ponga boat no, like no. they went right by him wow well so they go hauling off and then that ponga boat comes out from behind that cr- that corner and we're the next boat yeah so they come straight over to us okay and they idle straight over to us there's two guys in the front of the boat the guy in the front's holding a machine gun the guy in the back of the boat's got one of those machine guns strapped over his shoulder, and he comes up. I don't speak Spanish, but he's yelling in Spanish, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's got his hand on that. He's got his hand on that. <laughs> hey, <gun. laughs> yeah, pinche gringo. Damn, yeah. 
So he's got his. Is that what Spanish sounds like? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I'm not offended, guys. I'm sorry, Mikey. <laughs> but and he's got his hand on this gun, dude, and he's shaking this gun, screaming, and he's yeah. you know with his finger, he's doing that like vamanos, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're like, all right, dude. So we put our rods down, put our jackets on and stop. Yeah. And dude, the next thing you know, they go to the next boat and they go to the they next boat. Yeah. They chase. And then, so as we got to the end, we drove over to one of the other boats and said, got, Hey out. guys, get out of here. Go, go, go. And yeah, dude, he, I mean, he was from, I mean, that boat wasn't 10 feet from us and yeah. he's shaking that friggin' gun and yelling in Spanish. And yeah, yeah, dude, it was nuts. Yep. Yep. That was my, 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 like, nightmare moment honestly was like um uh on that whole event was just looking at the kid he was a young kid but he was just i mean the dude was you know you're work you're working yeah 12 hours a day in in falcon heat you know with no with no bimini top right? no shade no shade i'm sure they're not getting the best sunscreen like and this kid is just looking at me and he's just got this ak rusty ass thing too dude like this shit mm-hmm. And he's just waiting for the guy on the radio to tell him what to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I just hope this can, I hope that the, from the call from the radio isn't light him up. Cause yeah, you know, and so, um, the guy that I bought the trailer from Glenn Erskine, he's a, he's a local, he used to be a Medina Lake Friday night. Yeah. Guy, right. Yeah. Um, he had been like, when I, that happened to me, I, you know, he called me and I, I or I talked to him about when that happened and, um, um, cause that was before I owned the trailer down there. It's before I had bought, I was a couple of years even before I even ever even imagined about owning property down there. Right. Um, but later on we talked about it and he's like, dude, that's crazy. We've been down here forever. That's never happened to us. And I think it was around the time for you guys, like yep. in 2019, 2020, it was around the COVID time when he uh, sent me a picture of a, at the Falcon, cause everybody figured you had to be deep in the Salonias to get bothered. So he was on the other side of the dam and they got rolled up on and he said they somebody pulled a pistol on him and yeah. held him up for some cash and beer. Yeah. You know? So you just don't know and just be aware of your surroundings and be well, safe. Well, and dude. you know, yeah. for the longest time we always heard the stories of the white the black and white triton. Oh wow. Never heard of that one. Either. Yeah. So back in the day, back in the two thousands and two thousand and tens and stuff like that, because you mentioned trolling motorless bass boat. Yep. Yep. Well, that's what that Triton was. Yeah, there was you a you can't see with the trolling motor. They're not they're, interested in fishing, dude. They're interested. Nope, in there's a black and there's a there was a black and white Triton running down there for a long time. Yeah, had no stickers, no trolling motor, no nothing on yeah. it. That's wild, dude. Yep, yeah. so true. It's it's crazy. Stuff, oh yeah, dude. and you got to be safe down there. So, uh, but it like that's all crazy and and funny and well, not really funny, but in hindsight, they're funny and they're, and they're, well, they're amusing. I don't know if they're funny or they're just entertaining stories to talk about. Like, but it's real, it's real, but it really goes to show like, don't feel like we're stupid or we're idiots. Like let that show like the passion that we have for fishing. Yeah. Listen, it's not that we're looking for trouble. I don't think, I mean, you know, guys are, no, I'm just looking for a bass to bite my bait. Exactly. So, um, and it's not that we're, Man, I just feel like we're not dumb. It's just that that's how bad we want to catch fish, and that's how bad we want to compete. Yeah. That's how bad we want to win, you know? So a lot of times I thought about that. I'm like, why are you doing that? And it's like, well, it's not so much that I, I'm looking to get in a shootout with somebody. Yeah. Like, dude, I'm just trying to fish, dude. And I take this shit kind of seriously. You know? Yeah. Well, I talked to, to White Bass Rob. I mean, we're good friends in White Bass. Oh, yeah. You know, Rob, Rob's down, down there. Yeah, yeah, he lives down there. there. Yeah. He, he fishes out of Tigers, and he was like, dude, 
look, just be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. If you see shit, like, see anything going on, get the fuck out and just be chill about it. You know, yeah. if they roll up on you, hey, you know, it is what it is. I'll get out of here, you know. Yeah. So that's what that's what he told me from, from Falcon. He's never really fished Amistad too much. So mm-hmm. he did have nothing to speak on about that. But, yeah. You know. Well, Amistad, I really feel like it was that one event where that one guy supposedly just through the grapevine, I guess, we heard that that kid got handled by his higher ups. Like, yeah. He was supposedly like either messed up or like Something. he was on drugs. Like yeah. He was not he was not following orders. He was just causing trouble basically. Yeah. And, and supposedly after that event he was dealt with on that side, I guess you can say, and then we've never had heard anything since then. Yeah. But yeah. it's not it's it, but there are other tales at Amistad of people. So it's getting worse it's getting worse at Amistad. Is it really? Okay. Well, because the problem is with all the people that are coming up from the south yeah. to try to get into America. The cartel realized that, yeah, they move drugs, they move guns, but, people, but yeah. the smuggling of the people is profitable. is very profitable. So my wife and Kyle and I were out bow fishing at Amistad one night, and we were over there uh, kind of by the Red Roof House. Okay. okay. You know, the big yeah, arm yeah. that goes back in there? Yeah. So we're back in. Heading up towards the Mexican Islands, right? Yep. Like, like straight across from the Mexican Islands yep. on the American on side, the American there's side. the big creek that yep. goes back in there. Yeah. Well, we're going back in there, and of course, it's one o'clock in the morning. Wow! And we're rolling through there with the bow fishing boat. We got all the lights on. Yeah. And we go back into one of the coves, and we get to the very back. And at first, we thought it was a tree or something that was laying in the ground. Nah, dude. There was a makeshift raft. I'm talking like Tom Hanks castaway no, wooden raft no, where you just lay on and you just kick your feet. Wow. And I'm sitting here thinking. Dude, that's a long swim from Mexico to get from there over here. And sure enough, dude, there's just a raft over there. So I think what's happening in in Amistad is because of the amount of people that are coming up trying to get across the border, the cartel's realizing, hey, there's maybe money over here that can be made too. And it's, you know, with people, people, you know, it was always so bad at Falcon because you were right next to I-35. Yeah. And when you're that close to Interstate 35, you can disperse everything yeah. real fast, whether yeah. it's people, drugs, guns, yeah. whatever. You can get it away from the border and into America quick. Listen to this guy. Dude. He's a mastermind, dude. He knows yeah. all the routes. He knows all the connection points, dude. Like, gosh, hey, damn, dude. dude. Well, but see, so, but <laughs> now we know how he paid for his bay boat. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so think about it. You know, you go to Amistad, right? And you come across. So I, I was thinking about this. Because I've hunted West Texas and I've hunted South Texas. I've hunted all over the place, right? If you come across the border close to Laredo, you're right next to Interstate 35. You can hitchhike. You can do something. You get dropped off out in West Texas and you're just out there walking. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. There's no big city close. There's no major transportation where you can hitchhike or. yeah, Yeah. So it's. It hasn't, I think that's why Amistad hasn't gotten as bad yeah. as Falcon has. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. No, that's, that's interesting stories, and it's real, and it's dangerous. And, I mean, people have been hurt, you know, people. I mean, think about the, the what was the ski story back, what, what year was that, like 2004 or 2006? Oh, yeah, the, the jet ski story. The jet ski, and... We're not sure if his wife killed him or, like, cartel. Like, that's, that's a whole. And I, like, I heard mystery. stories that. They were over there trying to buy drugs yeah. and all sorts. I mean, there was, because first of all, 
Nobody pleasure boats at Falcon. No, exactly. You don't go to- <laughs> I'm not taking my jet ski to Falcon Lake to go ride around and have and enjoy the sights. Hey, we, we, we've got, <laughs> I, I know Jeff Jones listened to this show, and I think he'll get amusement out of this. But listen, the, the, the Jones family isn't going down to Zapata to go jet ski <laughs> in the Solomon. Exactly. Like, no, that's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. You know? So there was a lot of – and then she was supposedly like way younger than him. Like oh, it was okay. his, his second marriage. And then they go to the Salonias for whatever reason, and then only she comes back. And so I think there's like a either a Good Morning America or a 2020 story on it, but it's about the Falcon Lake that incident yeah. that happened, dude. And it's, yeah. it's kind of like an unsolved mystery. Like they don't really they know don't know that. what happens. But the girl got paid supposedly. Like there was there was she had insurance on this dude and all this stuff. And but yeah, they went with two jet skis to the Salonias. Because there's nothing to see in the Solomon hey, hey, other than hardwoods. Hey, quiet down, dude. I don't want my Shit. wife to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, that was an interesting phone call to make to, to tell you that, like, to be honest, like, I knew, like, when that happened to me in junior, like, people were posting about it on social media. Like, my buddy just got held. And I was like, hey, I got to tell you something. Like, and then so this brings up, like, I pitched to Josh, like, we have an episode coming up with the wives episode, right? Yes. Like, I had to call my wife after that, like, hey, before you hear about this on facebook or through the our elite bass club social social page like i need to let you know that we just got held up by the cartel and she was like i hope you're joking like don't like were you in trying to fish in mech like what are you doing like yeah who am i married to yeah you moron like you actually went to mexico to go try to like there's not enough water on the american side for you yeah. like what's your problem dude Th- like there's not enough 10 pounders and, over there yeah exactly and she's like you've got kids and your business to run like what are you thinking and i'm like you I'm do not, it all the time yeah i'm not thinking i, I want to catch fish like, but but that addiction. shows you but the addiction we have for the bass fishing and you talked about the wives your wife yeah so this year at choke for the bass champs uh, that was the week, that was the day down in Port O'Connor they had a kid die. Oh shit! And he wasn't wearing his life jacket. He hit a bar. They hit a barge at night. He got ejected. That took him a couple, like a week and a half, to find his body. That's terrible. But man. you talk about like the, you talk about our wives and the women in our lives, yeah. and we're we're out here fishing. And of course, I'm at choke. Yeah. I'm fishing a tournament, so I don't have my phone. I have my phone on silent. Yeah. And I remember my wife waking up. And then when I finally called her that afternoon, the very first thing that came out of her mouth wasn't, how'd you do? Did you, it was, do y'all have to wear life jackets? Yeah. Like, and I was like, yeah, babe, it's the rules. We have yeah. to wear, I mean, anytime the big motor's she running. She had already seen that story. She had already seen that story. Yeah. And she's like, here, my husband is down here with his partner running around at 70 miles an hour on yeah. a bass boat, you know. And 30 mile an hour north winds. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Southeast winds. Like, it's yeah. Just, it's, it's, it's madness what we do. But hopefully that goes to show how much we love the sport yeah. and how much, how, how committed, like, you know, like, uh, committed to the game committed to the game dude like i always tell people like dude fishing's a lot like pimping it ain't easy it ain't easy <laughs> it ain't easy fish around and find out fish yeah, around fish and, around find, and out. find out like um and that was like i don't know how much time we have left but another story there was a there was an event and in, in the metro we talked about metro um same thing like y'all talked about like boats leaving right um, we were at a Bass Champs event at Amistad. I was on some fish. That was around the time I took you. And we caught, like, we had, like, a 28-pound bag. I had a 9-pounder or whatever. Oh, Amistad? Right? Yeah, on Amistad. Oh, yeah. Me and you had, like, a 25, 30-pound yeah. day. I don't remember what it was. But that next Champs event, I was talking with Josh and Kyle. Unlike them, when I'm on fish, I call my friends, dude. I don't go <laughs> silent, dude. 
and they knew I was on the spinnerbait bite and they knew that I was doing well. And I was like, dude, so it, it was a uh, trailering event, but I think the champs rules was like, you, you can trailer, but you can't leave till 6 a.m. Yeah. You... But at 6 a.m. at Amistad on the moonless night, it's pitch black, dude. We had to go up to the Caballos and we were like, dude, we're on fish. We know the spot. Like, let's row, dude. I just remember driving my boat down the Rio Grande, looking at my graph, praying to God that the graph was on point, dude, because... How scary is that? That's fucking scary. I felt like I was in outer space, dude. I felt like at any minute I was going to fall off the edge. And again, I'm not promoting this. I'm saying that was really stupid of me, dude. Like, I put the the love of the game in front of safety, dude, because again, Mm -hmm. we know that there's there's mile markers out there without buoys. I did have trail marks, but again, that's dependent on whether the satellites are communicating correctly. Well, and then not only that, and then not only that, those buoys move move based on the wind. It can be 20 feet over this way one day, 20 feet over this way the next day. You don't know. So, yeah, guys, well, I think that's pretty crazy. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the week. But we'll catch you all next week, flipping mats, wading flats here at Fish Tackle Marine. Come on. All righty, guys, stay safe out there. Stay safe.